So before I read a scripture to you, and I want you to, if you'd like to, go ahead and open up your Bibles uh, to Mark. I'm going to be uh, reading the story of, I need a podium, don't I? That's all right. I, I think I'm all right. So I'm going to be reading the story tonight uh, from Mark chapter 6 when Jesus fed the 5,000. So if you can, go ahead and open your Bible to Mark chapter 6 and then uh, put your thumb at verse 30. And then we'll read that in just a little bit. What, what I'm going to do tonight in just our preaching ministry time is I'm going to, I'm going to read through the story in, in Mark chapter 6 of when Jesus fed the 5,000 and then just kind of pull out a few points that I feel are significant uh, for us, for our body, and for who we are as disciples. So as I'm kicking off the message tonight, uh, if, I'm, if I could title it anything, I probably would title it... Um, perspective or maybe an elevated perspective, or if I were to get real cute, maybe a bird's eye perspective. Um, but I really feel that while I was away in Japan, if anything happened, if any transformation took place in my life, I would say that it really was my perspective. So I don't know how many of you guys have had this experience before, but you get out of town and then you look back at your life in Nashville or wherever you're from, and you just have a fresh perspective on what's going on in your world. Anybody else ever had that experience? You guys know what I'm talking about? Maybe you go out of town on vacation for a few days and you get a little bit of rest. You know, you put your feet in the sand, you get some sun, you go to Disney World, you eat some, you know, comfort food, maybe not healthy food, but comfort food. You guys know what I'm talking about? They've, I don't know if you've ever had one of those huge turkey legs at Disney World. But every time I go there, man, that's my comfort food. I'm like, I want a turkey leg the size of my femur. I need it. So you, you guys know what I mean, though. You go out of town and you're thinking, man, that thing I was worried about back home is just not even a deal anymore to me. It's just, what was I even doing? Like being under the, all that stress and anxiety over that issue. That issue is actually quite small. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's perspective. You get a, you get a perspective shift. You get an elevated perspective. You're, you're able to see it from perhaps God's point of view and say, oh man, that, that big thing in my life is actually a small thing. I just need to walk around it and move on, do something else, right? So uh, when I went to Japan, to be honest with you guys, um, I didn't know it. But I actually was stressing out about everything we have going on here um, because, you know, if you haven't heard about this thing called the Go Conference, uh, you know, if you come to one service in the last year, I feel like you would have heard of it. But, you know, it's a lot of work putting on a conference. And, you know, we're not a huge church with tons of resources, but we got a lot of amazing people who are serving and volunteering as a part of the conference. But it's just a lot of work, you know. And then what we're doing here, uh, you know, building, being in this new location, getting ready to celebrate our five-year anniversary. You know, you start thinking to all of your dreams, your vision, your desires, everything that you thought about whenever you first start something. And uh, I didn't realize it, but when I left here, I was like, man, I hope we've accomplished everything that we set out to accomplish five years ago. And I didn't realize it, but I was like feeling, feeling a little bit stressed about that. And uh, maybe, maybe you guys have, have felt that before where uh, you start thinking about what other people are thinking about concerning what you're doing. And you're, and you're, you're thinking, uh, you know, they probably think I should, I should be further along or they think I should have a better promotion or they think I should be making more money. You start to get under that stress. Then you have that experience of having an elevated perspective. 
I feel like that's what, what my experience was like in Japan. Um, I stayed at the Japan House of Prayer. That's, that's where I basically lived for a week. And I don't know how many of you guys have lived in a 24-7 house of prayer before, but it is awesome. I'm going to be honest. It's one of the most amazing things ever. I, I, if I had enough money, I might actually pray, uh, pay somebody to pray inside my house 24 hours a day because it is amazing. You get the best sleep you could ever imagine. Uh, so my room was attached to a sanctuary, which was attached to the house of prayer. And jet lag is a terrible thing. Uh, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night, you can't go back to sleep, but conveniently there was a house of prayer located outside of my bedroom with a person, an actual person, not just a stereo with an iPod or something, but like an actual person leading worship just 24 hours a day. So I'd get up and go in there and I'd just sit in there and, and, you know, just soak and, and just enjoy the presence of God and read the Bible and pray and meditate on the scripture and, um, you know, that, that was incredible. I think that was probably one of the big things that helped to, to elevate the perspective. But I think probably the biggest shift for me was really um, not just looking at Nashville and looking at East Nashville and looking at our church and looking at what we do on Sundays at 4 p.m., but I think God actually challenged me to start looking bigger and looking at the city of Nashville, looking at the state of Tennessee, looking at our nation and looking at other nations and how he longs to impact nations and people groups with the gospel of the kingdom of God. I don't know how many of you guys do this, but I know my tendency is to start whittling down my life to the few things, the two or three things that cause me a lot of stress and make me feel under pressure. Whenever God has this bird's eye perspective on the nations, God has this bird's eye perspective on people groups, on cities, on, uh, you know, states, and he's longing for people to get a vision as big as his. So, you know, I'm an Iris Ministries kid. I grew up, you know, in the gospel as a missionary. And our whole message was, you know, you stop for the one, you, you stop for the one in front of you. And that's in my DNA, man. That's my spiritual bloodline. I'm always gonna do that. But I felt like that God said, let me build on this foundation and not just for you, but for your church, because I want Legacy Nashville to begin to get a bigger vision. I want you guys to have a vision that's as big as my vision, which is not just for your services on Sunday to be full or to be good or for people, you know, new people to come and visit and enjoy it and say, hey, I want to come here, but to actually have a vision that Jesus has for our neighborhood, East Nashville, to see through the lens of the harvest and know that it's not just, you know, our church doing well, but actually seeing souls upon souls, thousands upon thousands of people coming to Jesus for the first time in our city. Like, I think for the first time, I'm actually starting to, to see a bigger picture, knowing that God's heart for our city is not just to fill our churches. You know, I, I think he wants to do that, but to actually see people have turned their back on God, see people who've never really had any encounters with Jesus before in their life, really wholeheartedly come into salvation, be commissioned to their purpose and become revivalists and preachers and miracle workers and, you know, just see the world set on fire with the gospel. And, you know, I, I, I think you've, you've heard that before. People have exhorted you in that before. But 
there's one thing to hear it and say, yeah, that's a good word. And it's another thing to actually go to your, 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 with a pencil and a paper and to start dreaming so big that you make plans and you say, what can I do, God? How can I co-labor with you so that we can see the next thousand people come into the kingdom in Nashville, Tennessee? Uh, what can I do, God? How can I co-labor with you to see Japan set on fire for revival in different regions? Does this sound crazy to you guys yet? You know, how can we co-labor, God, with not just worrying about, oh, man, I hope our church services go well, to how can, how can we as a church, as a community, impact this nation with the gospel? You, you may be thinking, I don't know if this is the church for me now. <laughs> and, and that's okay, too, because I want our vision as a community to be bigger than our church. I really want it to be the size of uh, cities, and I really want it to be the size of states, and I really want it to be the size of nations. And I want you guys to start to dream with us. I want us to dream together about how God might pick us, pick us up as a community and begin to impact cities and states and nations. Is this, does this seem too crazy for you guys? But I, I really do feel challenged. I think God's bringing us, and if, you know, obviously it's, it's recorded, but I feel it could be a prophetic word. But I really do think that God is bringing us at a, at, as a church to, to an apostolic season uh, for our five-year anniversary. You know, the number five means grace in the Bible. And I feel like God's going to grace us for greater vision. So if, if you're a part of this community, I just want you guys to prepare that as the harvest season happens, September, right, the fall, the harvest season happens, there's going to be a fresh grace that God's going to anoint you with, but it's not just for you, it's for the harvest. If you've felt yourself struggling to care about other people before, like, I don't really care about other people, I think that what God's going to do in this season is he's going to pull us out of a season of selfishness and he's going to put us into a season of sprinting. And I've, I've proclaimed that word before, but I really do believe that it's a fast track that God's putting us on. He's, he's, he's putting an apostolic mandate on our church. And I really do believe with all my heart that it's not just going to be us obsessively consumed with, hey, how did Sunday go? But what is God doing in the city of Nashville? And how is what we're doing with him, co-laboring with him, impacting this city with the gospel and the kingdom? Anybody else ever dream like that before? You know, I, th I think that most of you have because when we first get saved, it's crazy. When we first get saved, we're just set on fire. You guys remember that when you first got saved? How many of you guys were that weird person when you first got saved? I was definitely that weird person when I first got saved. I used to go to uh, rest stops on the highway and I would stand next to water fountains and when people would come to get a drink, I would say, excuse me, if you take a drink of that, you're gonna thirst again. But I know about a living water. I'm dead serious, you guys. I was that weird and they would look at me like, are you on drugs? Like, are you... You know, I'm like, I, I still drink. I just switch brands. It's the Holy Ghost, man. You know, just, just excited, man. I was that weird person. And I, I feel like there's this tendency for us to believe that our high watermark in God was the first month that we got saved. Right? 
Guys, God has plans to outdo himself in your life. Like whatever you've experienced in the past that's been good, like God has plans to outdo himself. And I think, I think that's actually, you know, God wants us to know, hey, his, his goal is to bring us from glory to glory. Like that's his desire uh, for our life, to transform us even the more like Jesus. Amen. Just like uh, Philip was saying tonight, who do you say that I am? The thing that popped out of my heart was, God, your abundance. Because you always do more than we could ever believe. You always want to do more than we could ask, imagine, or think. And I, I want you guys to just get ready for that. Uh, there's testimonies that I could share, but I, I have to wait, all right? Because I, there's been so many great things happening in our church, in the life of our church, not, not just an organization. I'm talking about us as a family, you as a person. Like, there's been so many amazing things. Financial testimonies have happened. People have, have uh, we were hearing testimonies of people just getting abundantly blessed with checks in the mail, thousands upon thousands of unexpected dollars. We, I mean, we've heard just the craziest financial testimonies. I, I mean, our finances here as a church ha have increased drastically. I mean, it's, it's just the evidence that you guys are being blessed. Yes. Come on. You know, that's, that's not the evidence of, well, we finally got people to give. <laughs> Who cares about that? If we could talk you into it, keep it. Yep. Honestly. Because it's not a church you're giving money to, it's God. And, but I think it's evidence, honestly, that we're being so abundantly blessed. Um, Andy Bird, who's going to be speaking at the conference, uh, he, was, he was here with the circuit riders. And if you guys don't know who they are, look up their podcast and you'll never be the same. But, um, it, you know, I, Andy Bird was preaching. And honestly, guys, I was trying to do the nice, uh, politically correct, pastoral thing by going to the event, shaking a few hands and leaving. Honestly, because they asked us to be a part of it, and it was in a you know, unique season. We couldn't really contribute much. So I came in. I shook a few hands. Hey, nice to meet you, Andy. We have a co-friend, uh, mutual friend. And uh, hey, see you later. Love you guys. Love what you're doing. Love what you're about. God bless you. See you. And I, I noticed that the worship was unusually anointed, but I'd never heard that person lead before. It turns out it was Lindy Conant. And I don't know if you guys have bought her album yet, but it's number one on iTunes. I think uh, the Christian chart is amazing. Um, and so I left. I actually got in my truck and I left uh, and I got two blocks down the road and the Holy Spirit said, call your wife, tell her you're not going to come home for a little bit. Actually, ask permission. That was what it was. <laughs> ask permission for your wife. I mean, sometimes, you know, Holy Spirit sounds a lot like your wife. <laughs> you're like, hey, let me ask the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I mean, my wife, right? Just make sure I got permission. Um, you know, the two have become one, right? Um, so funny. Somebody said, if two are becoming one, that means at least half of you has to die. <laughs> I always thought that was funny. Anyways, so I was, you know, I was riding, I was riding a few blocks away. The Holy Spirit's like, turn around, go back into that meeting. You guys, I went back in that meeting, Andy was preaching, and I was like, dude, this is, this is like my tribe, man. These are my people. I love these. I don't even know these people, but I love these people. These guys are amazing. They're talking about hiking for 12 hours through the Himalayas to get to a small village with four homes to preach the gospel to people that have never heard the name of Jesus. I'm like, where do I sign up? I don't know. That's just, that's just my vibe, man. I'm all about that. I hear that stuff and I'm like, yes. I, I don't want to be an anointed bench warmer. You know, I intend on God getting all the glory that he put on my life at salvation before I die. 
I want him to like ring me out. Like all the anointing that he died for, that he put on our lives when we receive salvation, like I just want to be completely wrung out by the time I walk into heaven. <laughs> I don't, I, honestly, it's just not my goal to walk into heaven well rested. <laughs> Anyways, I told you guys I didn't have notes. You know, I didn't mean that. I, I, not trying to scare you, but just trying to be honest. So after Andy preached, I was on the floor for an hour just crying out to God, Lord, you know, I don't even know what you've got me at this event. I don't even know really that many people here. But like you're here, God, and I, and I feel you. And I, I, I was wearing these shoes, actually. And, um, and I had this vision where I was, I was bent over and I was lacing up these shoes and I was tying them. And the Lord said, tie them tight. And um, so I'm like, okay, God, you know. And he said, because this is the season of the sprint. And um, you guys, I, you, ever, you, you ever hear the Lord say something to you and you're like, yeah, all right, God. <laughs> it, all right. But, it, you know, if it's real, then do it. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? Because you're thinking, man, that's a great word. Good word, man. I don't believe that. You know, it's like too big to be true, you know. And honestly, I'm just being transparent, guys. I did, it's not like I was this man of faith. Uh, yeah, God, that's right. This is going to happen. And I didn't know anything. I just heard God say, it's a season of the sprint. And I can, I can honestly tell you that since that time, since that time, like things internally and externally have transformed in my life. Internally, I've been more hungry for a move of the Holy Spirit than I ever have in my life. And I was that weird guy at the water fountain. But I'm telling you guys, man, and it's not just like that I want to see something in particular happen, like, oh, revival, extended meetings. We're meeting here every night, and we're just like doing all this stuff. That's great. If I, but I don't even have a paradigm for what it looks like. All I know is it's like I want to I be hungry for God all the time, you know? Even the little things I feel like God's getting on me about, like movies or music. Or, and it hasn't happened since I got saved, man. And I'll, 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 I, I don't know. I'll save that for another message. <laughs> but I really do think that a benchmark of maturity is, is, is surrender. You know, I, I really do. I think that as we grow in God, we grow in surrender. Because we learn so much about his heart that we know that even when he asks us to do the tough stuff, that he has goodness in his heart towards us. We're like, man, I, I know you well. So even when you say the tough stuff, God, I still say yes. And I, I really do believe, I, I want to read this scripture now, but I really do believe that, that what God's doing is he's actually teaching us how to journey with him. And uh, some of you guys can write this down if you're taking notes, but Psalm 15, uh, in, my, in one of my Bibles, in the New American Standard, it says a description of a citizen of Zion over Psalm 15, super short. Proclaim it over yourself. Read it over yourself. If you read it in the New American Standard, you'll see that. And one of the things it says in the first couple of verses is that it says, who, who may dwell in your holy hill? Who, who will abide in your tent? Right? And it talks about the descriptor of this person. And one of the things God spoke to me about, they say, you know why I, I put tent there and not church? is because I want a group of people who have intimacy with me more often than one day a week. I want a group of people who are going to be intimate in a movable dwelling. 
It says, doesn't matter where I find myself, doesn't matter if I'm at work, doesn't matter if I'm at school, doesn't matter if I am in a different nation, in a different city, if I'm with different people, I'm still abiding in the presence of God because that's the lifestyle that I live. And honestly, guys, I think, I, think that's what it's, I think that's what it's gonna be for our church. I think that's what revival looks like for our church. I don't think it's about just you know, coming here more often, although I'm, I'm down with that too. But I think it's as we go, abiding in intimacy with Jesus. Do you, do you guys receive that? Yeah. All right, so let's read this passage real quick, and uh, we'll just talk about it. Um, this passage really began to hit me and it will go along with everything I'm, I'm saying uh, so far, even though it's, it's about Jesus multiplying food. Um, we'll start with uh, verse 31. And the Bible says, And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. Anybody ever been that busy before? Where you didn't have time to eat? Right? It, that, that's, you know, that, they were pretty busy, man. They were getting just like all kinds of people were coming after them for ministry because they saw what Jesus was doing. So they, they were so busy doing ministry that they didn't even have time uh, to eat. And the Bible says, is, and, and they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. So let me stop right there real quick. It, Jesus actually gives us a prescription for our busyness right here is that when we find ourselves so busy, a lot of times we struggle to find God's presence. Because busyness often leads to barrenness in our lives. So the, the, the busier that we make ourselves, a lot of times the more empty that we become. But Jesus actually gives us a prescription, and he says this, come away by yourself and, and rest a while. And I, I honestly, guys, I feel like this is what kind of took place with me on accident with Japan. Because um, I didn't do any ministry really while I was there. Like I spoke one night and I shared a testimony for 10 minutes and that's it. So from, from, by most people's perspective, they would say, what in the world are you doing? Like as a pastor of a local church, why would you miss a weekend? Why would you miss Sunday? Why would you spend $1,500 on a plane ticket to go halfway around the world and not even preach? Isn't it just like God? So it may seem strange to your friends. It may seem weird to your coworkers. But every now and then, you got to come away by yourself to a desolate place and rest a while. And it wasn't like a sabbatical or anything like that. It was just, I was just, I was going for it to see what God would do. And, um, you know, here, to be honest, like a lot of times I do feel super busy. So I'm like, okay, this is great. I'm going to go, I'm going to go halfway around the world. Uh, I'm going to spend time with my friends. Um, and I'm just going to see what God's going to do in Japan. So adventurous, right? And, I, and, I, and that's what I wanted. I was like, I want to go on an adventure with Jesus. Some of you girls probably go on dates with Jesus or something. I know, I know y'all, right? You know, you're making dinner uh, for yourself at home. You, like, make an extra plate for Jesus. So many people laugh because they've done it, you know? They're like, I'm going to get out my Bible. There's a cup of tea for you, Jesus. Raise your hand if you did that. Boom. See, I knew it. I knew it was real. I've done it too. Just hungry, man. It's the foolish things that confound the wise, man. God uses the foolish things. Anyways, so 
uh, verse, verse 33 says, Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. This is how hungry people were for a touch from Jesus. People, people saw them uh, getting on the boat to go away, and they ran on foot from their houses to go around the water to meet Jesus when he got off the boat. God, give us some hunger like that, right? And when he had went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. Just look at your neighbor and say, you give them something to eat. <laughs> so here, here, here's a point I want to make real quick. Is that you notice that the disciples here, uh, in my opinion, and I'm not trying to take too much out of the text, but I really think there was a spirit of selfishness on the disciples. Because there's all these people that are coming to Jesus, and the only thing that they can think about is how much work it's going to be to feed them. And so what they do is they come to Jesus, and in, in, from my perspective, they really kind of complain a little bit, and they say, Jesus, you know, putting all of their responsibility on him. Hey, can you send these guys away? Because they're all hungry, and, you know, it's a lot of them. And there's nothing we can really do to feed them. So can you get them out of here, please? And I don't know if that sounds familiar to you, but I feel like right before a harvest, right before a revival, there's always an opportunity to do the opposite of what Jesus is saying, which is you feed them. A lot of times we're thinking, okay, well, you know, Jesus is going to do this. Jesus is going to tell people to get away from me. Jesus is going to make sure my life is comfortable. Jesus is in my life, so it's going to be safe and nobody's going to bother me. And, you know, my relationships are all going to be comfortable. But when revival happens, man, it just gets sticky. You know, it gets uncomfortable. It gets a little strange. It gets weird because there's all these people who are hungry for God. This harvest is happening and they're looking at you for some nourishment. They're looking at you for some ministry. They're looking at you for some strength, for, for some encouragement. And if we're not careful in the midst of proclaiming that we're following Jesus, we'll be looking at Jesus complaining, saying, God, can you send these people away from me? I'm so tired of people asking me for bread or encouragement or food or ministry or prayer. I'm tired of people texting me in the middle of the night. Is this speaking to any of you guys? I just can't do it anymore. I'm, I'm following you, God. Isn't that enough? I'm going to church on Sunday. I give. You know, can you just have people leave me alone? It's self, that's, that's selfishness, and a spirit of selfishness will actually stifle revival because what Jesus' plan is when he releases revival to our church is not just for him to feed everybody, but he actually wants to raise you up as someone who releases food to the city of Nashville, as someone who releases ministry to the city, as someone who releases spiritual nourishment to baby Christians. And that's, what the, that's what's going to be required of all of us as we are seeing this harvest in our lives. 
Honestly, guys, that what God's doing right now is perfect. It's actually perfect that we don't have a bigger facility. It's actually perfect that we don't have any more chairs. Because I think that what God's doing is a concentrated effort. Because some people say, some people go, oh, that's all good. Because there's gonna be disciples that God wants to raise up out of our midst that are not just gonna walk around selfishly saying, well, if you're gonna get something done, Jesus, you're gonna have to do it. But actually disciples who stand up, world changers who take responsibility for the harvest, for the unsaved and the baby Christians and saying, where's the bread at? Because I have somebody to feed. You guys with me? Hey, oh, you need God? Let me tell you about my church. No, you feed them. Well, uh, you know, I would invite you to church. We don't have small groups, you know, so we don't do community that well. If, If you need to outsource your ability to have community to the church, you're immature. You feed them. Programs are great, all that's amazing, but if you're trying to wonder how to, you know, how do I do community? Invite people over to your house. You don't need us to start a program to share dinner with somebody. Am I stepping on your, on your toes? I'm not trying to. Okay, a little bit. Sorry about that. I mean, pump the brakes. I, I just, honestly, guys, I just really feel that what God wants to do in our house is raise up people who will take responsibility for feeding, feeding Nashville. Not just enjoying the buffet. So Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Here, here's, a, here's, a, here's a crazy thing. It's, it's an alternate point, but I, I think it's a crazy thing. Is that, it, that God wants to do the miraculous with what you already have. A lot of times when we think about, God, I want to do the impossible. I want to step out of ministry. I want to do something you know, good for God. I want to do something great for God at my work. You know, I want to walk in breakthrough on my job. And if I just had this, then I could like help thousands of people. But Jesus actually says, take what you've already got and feed the people because God wants to do the miraculous through your life with what you've already got in your back pocket. It's not, it's not about, you know, us amassing all this stuff before we do anything good. But God actually wants to use what we have because what we have is good enough because he can take what we have and multiply it. You guys with me? Okay. So verse 36, uh, actually, let's go to verse 38. It says, and he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five and two fish. So this is the equivalent of a Long John Silver's kid's meal. (laughs) And then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. Isn't this interesting? So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. That's, that's pretty interesting to me because I think that a lot of times what we think by looking or reading or talking about Jesus is that Jesus was so uh, fly by the seat of his pants. Is that how you use that? Uh, yeah. Okay. That he was just, oh, the spirit's over here. You know, oh, the dove's here. Well, I think that he did follow the spirit, but Jesus actually had some exceptional leadership qualities and there was an actual gift of administration that was operating in his ministry. And if we're gonna have revival, it's gonna be spelled out W-O-R-K. Oh, I want revival. I want revival. I want revival. Hey, uh, you know, need you for a couple hours early. Nope, can't do it. You feed them. 
Need you to serve at Go Conference. No, not possible. Why not? Dude, sow some seeds. Get some rewards as a result of the people. I mean, there's hundreds of people, guys, who are coming from all over the nation to be a part of this conference, man. Sow a seed of ministry in their life. So he commanded them to sit down in, the, in, in groups by hundreds and by fifties. This is also something, um, it's a very pastoral message I'm realizing, but this is also something I think God's really put, putting on our house in this season. Administration and leadership. And not just, oh, you know, it's, it's okay, it, it'll be fine. God, God will do it. Well, it's amazing how, you know, God, he does the supernatural he multiplies food. There's a miracle that takes place, but the people don't actually get to eat until administration happens. Is that good for anybody but me? <laughs> oh, leadership's not needed. Let's, you know, let's just get full of the Spirit. Well, yes, let's get full of the Spirit, but in order for other people to get full of the Spirit, we've got to have some leadership. We've got to have some administration. Anyway, let me move on from that. So, so, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and, and said a blessing, and he broke the loaves, and he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they ate, and all were satisfied. So, just real quick, I, I find this interesting what God does with what they have. Um, the first thing that happens in the disciples' life is that they actually give to God what they already have. They don't make excuses for what they don't have. They simply give to God what they already have. Right? They give him the fish. They give him the loaves. And what he does is he blesses it. And I think that what we're seeing as a result of the whole hashtag blessed series is that as we've began to give God our first fruits, what's happened? Blessing has rested on, the, on, on those finances, right? We've seen increase here. We've heard testimonies here. Blessings have happened. But I think that's evidence of what God does when, he, when we give him what we've got. When we start to give what we have to God, he blesses it. Amen? Amen. But uh, what's interesting is what he does next is that he breaks it. And I think that a lot of us have experienced blessing in the past, but we were not prepared for the breaking. But the reality is, before multiplication can take place, there has to be brokenness. And so for those of you guys in here that you know, are tracking with me, and if you're not, that's okay. I, I'm really not trying to uh, be mean. I guess just the nature of the message and how it was speaking to me was kind of intense. But you know, I really do think that, that what God's doing now as we've given God like what we're doing personally and in ministry corporately, that we've seen a blessing happen. And uh, for a lot of us and for all of us together, we've also seen a breaking. But let me read something to you guys real quick right from this chapter that I find to be very interesting, which is verse 43, and it says, uh, or verse 42, and it says, they all ate and were satisfied. And then verse 43 says, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. So what I find very interesting about this passage is, is that, you know, when the brokenness took place, that's when the multiplication happened. So I want to encourage you guys, if brokenness is happening in your life in this season right now, I want you to take heart. 
because God has a plan to multiply the blessing in your life, to multiply the anointing on your life, to multiply the very thing that's been broken in your life. Whatever it is that you feel like that God's ignored and has been broken in your life, I actually feel like God's coming at it from another angle saying, no, that's the very thing that I've blessed. And if you just stay patient just for a moment longer, you're going to start to see this thing multiply in your life. And the things that were the places of your greatest brokenness are actually going to be the places of your greatest authority. Where I get that from is that it said that 12 basketfuls of broken pieces were taken up. The number 12 is actually the number for authority. 12 basketfuls of broken pieces were taken up. Everybody was satisfied. Broken pieces. Do you know actually the broken pieces, the broken places in your life are what actually give you your authority? So the very things that you've, you've thought, man, did I make a mistake? Did I fail? Did I mess up the blessing of God? I just want to say to you guys, no. Because actually God's actually given you authority in those places. These places of your brokenness is where God's actually given you your authority. And, and the purpose of it is to satisfy the people as he sends them to you. So what, what, I, what I truly believe, guys, in just, you know, really this short message, and, and uh, like I said, I, I know I'm amped up on it, but um, what I believe is, is that God truly wants to raise you up as a disciple. You know, I, I don't really think that it's just as a church goer or as a church member. I know that's not the case. But God actually wants to put an anointing and an authority on you to distribute his bread to the city. So is there anybody in here that you're like, man, I want to volunteer for that? Like, honestly, like, just close your eyes just real quick. And I, what I want you to do is, is honestly, I just, I just want you to see this message as an invitation. And to be honest, it could be like an envelope that's just like super rugged and has been tossed around a bunch because I feel that's the, I kind of feel that the way, that that's the way it's arrived to you. It's like the delivery is super weird. But nonetheless, I really do think that the, I think that the invitation from the Lord is to step into a new season of discipleship and to step into a season of the sprint, to step into the harvest field and to actually do something about what God's put on your life. So Lord, we just wanna say um, thank you for, for empowering us. Thank you for trusting us. Thank you for trusting us with your bread for our city. And so what we wanna do is just prophesy and declare tonight that, that we are your disciples and we won't embrace selfishness, but, but we'll feed your sheep, we'll feed your people. So yeah, so if, if that's you and, and you genuinely feel like, um, you're like, man, I, I really do wanna step into this 
a real season of discipleship in my life. Let, let's, let's just have you guys stand up because we're going to start to pray. And it doesn't have to be everybody. It's okay if it's not. But uh, I actually want to, you know, to pray over each other. <clears throat> so if you see somebody standing, just stand up with them real quick. Put a, put a hand on their shoulder. Because we're, we're going to finish tonight just by praying for each other. <clears throat> and, what I, and really what I want to pray is just pray courage into our hearts, courage into our spirit, courage uh, to embrace the calling of God, everything that God's put on us, that we would embrace it completely and truly step into this next season, seeing our city with a sense of responsibility and saying that we have received bread to give it away. Make us responsible disciples. Make us harvesters with you, God. Let us not cast off responsibility, but let us take it up completely. Thank you, Lord. So as we're closing, guys, what I want to do is I just want to pray for our city together. So if you guys don't mind, could we just, could we pray for Nashville together? Is that cool? Will you guys pray with me for Nashville? Before we do that, I want you to know that with, with everything that I, I've shared with you guys tonight, that my, my driving desire is, to, is for us together collectively to stand up and, and go after what God is longing for in our city. That's my, that's my driving desire. Um, and to not, not, not push away responsibility for Nashville, but actually take responsibility. Instead of going to Jesus and saying, Jesus, send the people away, is to hear the Lord saying, no, tell them to come. So Lord, right now we just pray for our city. We pray for the city of Nashville. We pray to the north, the south, the east, and the west. We speak over the harvest fields and we declare that they are ripe and ready for harvest. And we call out to you, God, for souls. We call out to you, God, for hearts. We call out to you, God, for mindsets, God, for, for, for spirits. Lord, we call them home. We just declare that their home is in you, Christ Jesus, that their home is in the blood of the Lamb, that their home is found at the foot of the cross. And we just declare, God, that you're doing an unprecedented harvest in the city of Nashville, God, that you are doing an unprecedented harvest, that you are elevating our perspective, God, that you're giving us a fresh perspective of what you want to do in this city. God, I pray that you would release your revelation, your counsel, your authority, your perspective, God, to the disciples of Christ all throughout this city. 
Lord, I just declare that supernatural signs and wonders would follow your disciples. I declare that power would rest on your disciples in this city, God. I pray that the gifts of evangelism, God, would be evident and visible in the city of Nashville, God. I pray that the whole notion of being the buckle of the Bible belt and being religious and just simply going to church because it's the right thing to do, God, I pray that that mindset would break. I pray that you would shatter that mindset, God, and that we would go beyond that into a desire to please the Father, into a desire to co-labor with Christ into a desire to do something about the gospel, to do something about what we believe. So Lord, we speak blessing over our city. We speak favor over our city. We declare that our city is the city that is set up on a hill and it will not be hidden. And we speak blessing over the publications that are going out of this city, the music that's going out of this city, God, the books that are going out of this city. Lord, we speak favor, breakthrough, and blessing that they would impact the nations for the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Lord, we just declare that you're raising up, God, uh, preachers. You're raising up worship leaders. You're raising up evangelists. You're raising up prophets and teachers and pastors out of the city of Nashville that are gonna set the world on fire with the gospel of love. Lord, we declare that tonight. And, and God, we ask for each and every person in here, Lord, we ask for a heart as big as the city. We ask for a heart as big as the nations that you have to put on our heart, Lord. We ask that you enlarge our heart, God. We ask that you give us a fresh perspective. We ask that you elevate our perspective so that we can see what you see. That it wouldn't just be about our situation or our job or our problems, but that we could actually zoom out in your, in your presence and see what you're doing in our life and the lives of those that surround us and what you're doing in our city and what you're doing on the globe and what your plans are in this season of history to do something amazing because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. God, what are you looking to do? What are you looking to get involved in? We say that's what we wanna be involved in, God. Just, uh, just like in Jeremiah, it says, the eyes of the Lord are searching to, to and fro the earth for a heart that completely belongs to Him. Lord, would you just find some hearts right here tonight that are looking to be wholly pleasing to you and get involved in everything that we do, God, because we wanna get involved in everything that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys don't mind, I'm gonna have Erica come back, but just, just thank the person next to you for praying, praying with you and blessing you. Give them a quick hug, you know. I'm not Erica, but... I feel like I have a word just for you guys as we're transitioning and ending this this evening. And I felt it um, that some of you were standing up in faith this evening saying, okay, God, like, I really do want to care about this. And I felt in the same way that Esther had the question in her heart, how can I do this? Because so many of us have just, we're in different seasons of life. But I felt the Lord saying like, it's such a time as this, that you've been created here and now, not by mistake, not by accident, but that God has a grace set before you for your life to engage and encourage and feed those who are in this city. Um, so I just, as a mom, you know, somebody who's having more babies and has babies, sometimes I ask myself that question, but God, you know, how? 
and he's like, I made you for such a time as this. And I felt specifically like for those of you who are standing in faith or sitting down because you're like, I just don't know where it fits. Um, I felt the grace of God come on you for a season of prayer and fasting and asking God where and why and how does it fit? Because I don't want us to miss this moment. I don't want anybody to miss this moment because you've believed a lie that says, I don't have time for this. Because that is a lie. You're created for such a time as this. So I feel like there's a grace for those of you who have specifically asked that question this evening. God, how? I don't understand that there's a grace coming on you for, for fasting and for praying and seeking the Lord to find out what his heart is for you in this season and how, how, because you've been fashioned for this too. So we love you. And if, you, if you're part of the ministry team, I'm going to have you come forward this evening. Here at Legacy, we, we love getting the opportunity to pray for you. And we have a ministry team here that's going to be available to pray for you, bless you, um, just speak breakthrough over your life. And if you're having that question in your heart, God, how? How does this fit for me? I don't want to miss this. Please come have somebody pray with you. It is not something that we, we desire to work out by ourselves. We want to do this in the context of community. So we love you. We bless you. Sign up for Go Conference as soon as possible so that you get a seat there with us. We love you. You are dismissed. We'll see you next week here at 4 p.m. Bring a friend. We love you guys. Blessings on your evening.